Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here with us. I know it's starting to warm up. Summer is coming. It's been gloomy the last month, it seemed, but hey, sun is out. We're in the air conditioning. Remember, we have no control of the air conditioning here. If it's cold, it's not our fault. It's put on by the school administration in North Dakota, um, where this is normal. Um, so, but we're glad you're here, and we are thankful that we have air conditioning. This morning, we're going to be concluding our series, Close to the Heart, and we've talked about how God wants you to be successful, but that doesn't mean just in vocation. It means in life. It means in relationship. We've talked about how God wants you to be healthy, even as your soul prospers and is in health. And that much of our health actually begins in our soul. And so we need to focus on some of the things that are important so that we can live truly healthy lives that are healthy inside and out. We, we are going to conclude in talking about how God wants us to be strong. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, open up to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would speak to us through these words and the others that we will be reading this morning. Father, show us what it is to be strong in you. Help us, God, to grow. Help us to be mature. Help us to lack nothing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. These words seem a little too enthusiastic, don't they? Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you go into various trials. And when it talks about Various kinds or many kinds of trials is actually the word is multicolored. Isn't that such a poetic way of saying there are more trials than there are spectrum of colors in the world? Yay. Right? It's not something that it brings enthusiasm to us. It's something that just kind of makes us wonder why is he saying this? Why is this happening? You know, it would be boring to face the same trial over and over again, but some of us do, right? This morning I'm going to talk about 
the Marine Corps, physical therapy, junk food, Napa Valley, Costco, and parties. My son was in the Marine Corps, and when he had to go through his final training, his kind of graduation, they had to go through a thing that's called the crucible. And the crucible is something that lasts for 54 hours. In that 54 hours, they have to travel 48 miles with a 48-pound pack on their back. They only get six hours sleep, and they only have two meals in that period of time. Also in that time, they have 36 war stations where they have to box each other, poogle sticks. They have to do things that are, again, physically difficult. They also have 29 team-building exercise where they carry like 50-gallon drums over walls. You know, simple stuff you do every day. All these kinds of things with no sleep, no food, trying to get through. And the whole point of this is to prepare them for whatever might lie ahead. You know, a lot of times when we come into this area of trials, we want to escape the trial, but you have to go through it. You see, if they wanted to become a Marine, they had to go through the crucible. That was the only way to get to be the Marine is to go through this. And the same thing is true with life. If we are going to grow, we have to go through things. Not all, but some trials are going to keep happening to us because we haven't learned or haven't mastered really what we need to. And so instead we keep running from it, but we actually keep running back to it because we're never going to grow past it until we actually grow through it. In fact, if we want to grow, then we need to grow through the difficulties. I've said this before in quoting Peter Rollins, the problem is your answer. Somewhere in that difficulty lies the thing that you actually need to face. The problem that you're encountering holds within it what needs to take place, but usually it's what needs to take place within you. And so we have to look at things differently so that we can see the testing of our faith is not something that's a problem, but actually something that is helping. You see, the idea of testing isn't, he's not testing to see if you have faith. It's testing so that you will know what kind of faith you have. It is proving your faith. It is, in a sense, exercising your faith. It is trying to help your faith to become stronger. I had hurt my shoulder a while back. I didn't really hurt it. It just started becoming sore. And so I went to the doctors to find out what misfortune had happened to me. You know, figured it might have been a skiing accident when I was felling a tree, you know, as a lumberjack. It turned out it was happening because I was getting old, right? It was called a frozen shoulder. And he says, yeah, you're losing mobility in your shoulder. You're just not using it enough. And so it's getting stiff. And so what we have to do is exercise it so that it can actually become more useful. But it hurts so bad, right? And he'd give me these exercises where I'd have a towel and I'd be pulling up and I'd be like, ah, you know, I'd just be like... It was in a manly way. I was like, ah, that hurts. But, you know, 
it was something that was going on. The only way I could get this shoulder better was to actually go through the uncomfortable therapy of moving it. And so the more I moved it, the better it got. He said, one of the alternatives is we can put you to sleep and then we can just start yanking on your shoulder and make it loosen up. That just horrified me, right? I was like, no, thank you. Can you give me a shot of cortisone instead? And so that's what I went with because I'm a man. (laughs) How many of us think we are weak because the muscles we need to face life are dormant? How many of us feel these trials are too much because we really haven't used what is necessary to encounter the life that we need to face? And God is trying to awaken them. God is trying to move them. God is trying to get us mobile so that we can actually move forward. The testing of your faith works perseverance. Perseverance works in us in ways that we might not be aware of. Working on the core so that we don't lack anything, he says. Anyone here ever ask for perseverance? God, please give me perseverance. Not usually, not me. I usually ask for success, to be taller, you know, those kinds of things, right? I, I want life to be easier. I want things to go well for me. I don't ask for perseverance. I don't ask for something that's going to be difficult. I usually want things that are going to actually be easier. But God is trying to give us what is necessary, what we need. You know, our kids, when they were younger, and my grandkids now, they want to eat junk food. In fact, the other day, I picked up my granddaughter from school, and I said, what do you want to eat? And she wouldn't talk to me. She just sent me a text. (laughs) She was sitting right next to me in the car. And she put junk food. That's what she put. Right. And I know what she's thinking, because I want junk food, too. Right. I mean, every now and then it's just I want junk food, you see. But as a parent, you want to give your kids what is going to make them healthy, not just what they want to eat. You can't eat just junk food. You can't eat just ice cream. I know I've tried. You, You can't do it. Right. You have to have the proper things, the vegetables and all those other good stuff that actually you grow to enjoy. And the same thing's true with us. God knows that we are going to need perseverance to develop the patience, the courage, the strength to live the life that he desires for us. And it's hard for understand, us to understand that God is less concerned with our circumstances than he is with our character. Just like we're less concerned about our kids eating junk food than we are there being healthy. And this is what has to happen. Perseverance must finish its work in you so that you might be mature, complete, and not lack anything. Not lack anything. Can you imagine not lacking anything? What does that look like? The only way you're going to know is if you develop perseverance. The only way you're going to know and get the perseverance is if you go through the various multicolored trials that life has for you. And and you see what 
James is saying and what God is preparing us for is life. Because there is more than one kind of trial out there for you. Have you noticed that? Just when you thought it was the physical or the financial, you found out it's also the emotional. It's also spiritual. And it shows up in so many forms. I couldn't have predicted the things that were going to come my way. Right? I, I wouldn't have moved into these things. Unless you're tested, you'll never know what's lacking. And you'll never be able to truly be mature. It was almost 10 years ago that Corrine and I were going to go on a vacation up to Napa Valley. And we were taking a week off going to go spend some time with my cousin who lives up there, and we were going to go look at a church that was starting up there that was inquiring about a pastor. And we were very excited. I mean, we had been praying about some things, and we felt like God is answering our prayers. We just felt like all the ducks were lining in a row. I don't know why they say that, but anyway, I guess because they walk in a row. Anyway, all the ducks were in a row, and we were very excited. And that same morning that we... We're supposed to be going. I got a call to come into the office where I was told I had two weeks notice and that I was being terminated. That changed everything, right? That changed this nice vacation into a nice stress-filled trip, right? And I'm thinking as I'm driving up there, I'm just, I didn't want to tell my wife before we got in the car. So I waited when we were in the car. And as we were driving up, uh, up on the five, I told her, I said, hey, I was just given a two weeks notice. And then it was an interesting week, to say the least, right? What I had to learn was that everything that you have can be taken away except for who you are. And actually, you still are who you were even after you lost the job. In other words, everything that I had become to that point, I still was, but actually now I am even more because I am who I was up to this point. Now I've got this learning experience in my belt. And so I still carry with me everything that I need to move forward. The only thing that changed was the circumstances, but I'm still here. The person who brought me to that point has got to be the same person who takes me from that point and moves me somewhere else. And we have to recognize that you are not only still the person you had before this trial came. You are now the person who has made it through that trial And are more than you were before. Oh, you might be poorer. You might be in a different physical condition, depending on what trial you're facing. But now you've gone through something and you are actually more than you were before. God is trying to shape us so that we lack nothing and carry everything we need, which is him, wherever we go. Verse 5, he says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. So how does wisdom take trials and turn them into joy? We need wisdom when we face trials so that we can take what seems like 
a, a red light, what seems like a problem, and turn it into something that is actually potential and make it into a green light? What would happen if every time you encountered a difficulty, instead of thinking, oh God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? You thought and said, God, you're doing something big, aren't you? Right? What would happen? Because I tell you that 10 years ago, we weren't thinking, God, you're doing something big, but he was. He was doing something very big in our lives. And Genesis is the result of it. What would happen if at that time I could have had the wisdom to see that this isn't a red light, this is God showing up. And this is actually an opportunity for me to engage in what God is doing because God is doing something big. I don't want to make light of the difficulty. I don't want to make light of the trial because I know what those feel like and I know what it's like to be in those situations It's not like we just ignore the emotion that we feel or the circumstances around us. But what we do is we look at them differently. And instead of seeing it as a wall, we do see it as an opportunity for God to show up and do something more in our life. Because you are stronger than you know because the Spirit of God dwells in you. God is in you trying to work through you and these things cannot stop you. What would happen if we believed that? What would happen if we lived like that? How would it show up in our lives? I know many of us want God to do something miraculous in our lives. We want to see God work in powerful ways. But I wonder sometimes if the reason God isn't doing the miraculous is because we're living such comfortable lives that there isn't really any room for the miraculous to take us anywhere. If he did something miraculous, we would stay in the same easy chair we've been in. Maybe the reason it seems like God isn't doing something in our lives is because our lives aren't doing anything. We're not thinking of what we can do. And God is wanting to move us from our comfort zone to a place of growth. Maybe we're living small lives that there's not enough room for a God who wants to do big things because we just take those small steps because risk is scary. With it usually comes trials. And we'd like to avoid those at all costs. Again, I'm not saying be foolish, but I wonder what would happen if we saw things differently. See, a trial is a moment where life is bigger than you, right? You come to a circumstance that is out of your control. It's more than you can handle, which means there is space for God to actually move into. This is too big for me, and God's just going, okay, let's get to work. I'll be right there in it. You see, there seemed to be this kind of understanding. What if that's the way we saw things? how bad things are. Oh man, God's doing something. There's something here that's going to take place that is going to make me more than I am right now. Remember the disciples in Acts chapter 5? 
after they'd been beaten for continuing to talk about Jesus, they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. What? They were just beaten and they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Count it all joy when you fall into these trials. What they saw is we're doing the right thing. Look it. They killed Jesus and now they're trying to stop us. We must be doing something right. Isn't that crazy? We must be doing something right. Look at they just beat us. How could they rejoice? Because they saw God in their midst. God was doing something big and they were right in the middle of it. One of the things we need to understand if we're going to go through trials is where do we stand with God? We understand where we stand with God as he's revealed himself through Christ to us. In other words, God, is he distant God, is he far away? Is he unconcerned with me and my circumstance? God, does he not see what I am going through? God, does he not know the the pain that I'm feeling? God, does he not recognize all that is taking place? You see, if we don't know where we are with God, it's going to make it real difficult to move forward. And that's why we look at Christ, because we see in Jesus the one who is near and who is close to us. And we see in Scripture that God loves us, will never leave us, will never forsake us. That he's given himself for us. And so the Scriptures help us to understand where we are in relationship to God so that we can know where we stand even we don't feel like we stand close. Think of Jesus in the wilderness when he was being tempted. Right? Forty days without eating or drinking. And the tempter comes to him and he says, if you're the son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus responds to him, it is written. I I know the truth. This is what God has declared. And I love what he says next. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. He didn't say the son of God will not live. He says man, because he did not act as the son of God. He acted as a man. And he says, this is how man is going to live. He's not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. He wasn't saying that we don't need food. He was saying that God is the source, not only of what we need, but even the source of what the food gives us. That God is the source of what we need. I'm not going to look just to the food. I'm going to look past it to the source, which is the God who provides what we need. Because if I eat just bread, it will not satisfy my soul. I might as well be eating rocks. What I need is much more than what bread can supply. And he recognized that. He recognized that God was the one who would satisfy not just our bodies, but our souls. Isaiah 55 says, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Why are we trying to fill ourselves up with what will not satisfy? It's not enough to just have the bread. You have to have the creator. 
And that's what he's leading us to. And, and Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness is very much connected to the children of Israel's 40 years in the wilderness when they were wandering. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, it says, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to what? And test you in order to know what was in your heart. Was it that God didn't know what was in their heart? No, it was that they didn't know what was in his heart, their heart. Again, there's that testing, right? Those trials are testing to show what we're made of. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors have known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Manna was provided. And it's interesting because manna, the word, you did not know where it would come from. And so God gave you what you do not know. That's what manna means. It means, what is it? And it was an interesting thing, right? This wafer kind of substance grew on the ground and someone had to try it, right? That brave person said, hey, this stuff's pretty good. And they ate it, but it only lasted for one day. Except on the Sabbath, it would last for two days. And they would try and save enough for the week and it would start to go rotten. And God was teaching them, no, give us this day our daily bread. You see, you need to trust me for today and I will take care of you today. And trust me for tomorrow. See, this is a lesson that they had to learn and it's a lesson that we still have to learn. God was teaching them that he was the source of life and that they could trust him. And and how many times has God done that for us? How many times has God shown up and taken care of situations in our lives where we felt without hope? The, the, The problems don't always go away. The pain doesn't always disappear. But somehow God shows up. I remember one Christmas, it was Christmas Eve, I was working construction and I was working overtime as much as I could just to try and make ends meet and it was still rough. I actually was working two jobs and it was really difficult, the situation that I was in, not just physically, but just the tension in the place where I was working. And I remember getting let off on Christmas Eve, and it was late, right? It's like I had to work Christmas Eve, and I had to work late. And I hadn't gotten a present for my kids because we didn't have any money. And I was leaving the, the shop where I was working, and I was driving home. And I thought, well, you know, Christmas Eve, what can I get? And I thought, well, I know that sometimes Costco has some toys. And I thought I'd go there, but I had $12. That's all I had to my name was $12 and we needed to get the twins something. So I had to get two kids something for $12. 
And I'm wandering around Costco. I'm just dejected. I'm looking at all the leftover things, right? Because Christmas Eve, that's when everyone should go shopping, right? And, and so I'm there, and there is nothing even close to $12, and there is hardly anything left. And I'm just thinking, God, all I want to do is get my boy something for Christmas. That's all I want. And I'm having this conversation. And I'm just kind of pouring out my heart to him saying, I, I just don't like this. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like where this is. And I, I feel like you're far away. And I feel like you, you don't really care about all the things that we're going through. And this honest conversation I'm having with God, and as I'm walking out of Costco, dejected, I, I see this ripped box, and it's a huge box, and it's a train set, kind of like the Brio train, but it's a knockoff brand. And my boys love the Brio trains, right? And this thing is huge. I mean, it's like four feet by four feet, and it's got all this, but it's ripped, and I'm just like, Oh, man, I wonder, that would be so cool if I could get my kids that. But this is huge. This has got to be like 50, 60 bucks. And so I go to the person, the cashier, and I say, hey, how much is this? You know, and they say, I don't know. And they go and they call someone out and they say, hey, um, he wants to know how much this. And he says, ah, gosh, I don't know. We're just, you know, we're going to sell it for whatever. I mean, we're going to just send it back. And I said, well, if you let me know how much it is. And they said something like, how about 20 bucks? And I just, I, I go, I got $12. And I go, okay, that's good. Tax and everything, 12 bucks. I started crying. Probably looked like a fool to them, right? Okay, buddy, 12 bucks, you know. It's a good deal, but ain't that good a deal, right? <laughs> but you see, God showed up. He said, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of your kids. I'll, I'll get you that train set. 12 bucks it's not a big deal what is a big deal is that you know without a doubt that i am here that i am with you because this this is nothing and sure enough it was if i would have known that that was (laughs) i wish i would have had that trial the rest of my life right if i would have known but you see just like he gave that gift he's shown up in so many other ways it's never comfortable it's never easy but the testing of your faith is doing something something that has a long time effect on who you are god doesn't care so much about that circumstance cares about the character. He cares whether you will carry him into the future because how can you be an example of God Almighty if you do not have a life that is willing to be big enough for him? And for that to take place, it is going to be painful. It is going to be difficult. Nothing that is worthwhile comes easy. God is wanting to do that work in us. There's only one way out of the desert, and it's through it. There's only one way past these trials, and it's through them. God is trying to teach us there is more strength in you than you know. So he's testing us so that you will become strong enough to not just endure the problems, but go through them. 
You are stronger than you know. There's more in you than you know. There is more that you can handle than you recognize. You are the one who is limiting what God wants to do in you. I know that is the case because that is always the case. He who is able to do exceedingly beyond what you can ask or think. What am I asking? What am I thinking? That's usually surrounded by what's going to cost me. What's comfortable for me? That's, oh man, you're, you're thinking so small. I want to do so much through you, but it's going to take you some places where it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to move that shoulder and it's going to hurt. But once you move it, you'll be able to throw a ball with your kids. You'll be able to take this message of who Jesus is to the rest of the world. Or you can keep going through the same problem over and over again. You're going to have greater challenges if you overcome difficulties. It doesn't sound like fun, but it's the truth. Oh boy, there's more difficulties awaiting. That should excite you. Because God is there wanting to do more. Many of us are unable to believe, not because... Things are too difficult, but because our spiritual muscles are so weak, they just need to be exercised. How do you know if you're spiritually weak? How do you know if your faith is weak? Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. This past month, we've had a lot of parties. Had two birthday parties and a baby shower, three Saturdays in a row just about killed my wife, right? I mean, she just, I say her because I just went and ate the cake. But a party is a time of celebration, right? It's a time where you want to get up and you want to, you know, eat the cake and you want to have the punch and there's the festivities, all these things that are supposed to take place. A party is a time of celebration. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, starting at verse 5, we see the children of Israel in a place where they are not only in captivity, but the previous captives, the Babylonians, had now been overtaken by the Persians. And so now they're captives to the Persians, even though they were already captives to the Babylonians. And so they're in this place where their city is in ruin. And we see in chapter 8, verse 5, Ezra opened the book. This is the book of the law. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read, right? God is always about making clear what he's about. It's not about being uh, mysterious. There's not some hidden code to what God is trying to do. It is making clear what he has intended for the people. Verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this is holy to the Lord your God. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Why were they weeping? 
They had forgotten that God had once spoken to them. They had not heard the words that God had given to them. They had forgotten the things or had not heard and were being reminded that God was once so near. And so here is a day holy to the Lord. And they're weeping. And that seems right, right? Yeah, holiness, you should be weeping. That's right. But verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to know what holy looks like? It looks like a party. God is speaking. Let's eat. Right? I'm all for it. Get the, get the grill going. Let's have some food. God is speaking. God is here. Let's party. Let's enjoy this time because it is sacred. So instead of sacred being quiet and, and everyone's just there crying, sacred becomes this is a time to celebrate. Why? Because there is a closeness to God that you sense and you should rejoice in that. And then he says, here is the key. You want to know how you get strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. It isn't your joy that's your strength. It's not if you're joyful, you'll be strong. It's his joy will make you strong. What does that mean? They're still enslaved. They're supposed to stop grieving because God is happy? How does that work? See, this is where your strength comes from. Not because you're right. Not because you believe the right things. Not because your doctrine is in line. This is where your strength comes. It is the joy that God has. Not the joy we have, the joy he has. It's because he sees more than you see. There are times when my kids, or even my grandkids, will be telling me something of the problem they're going through, and I'm just kind of smiling. I'll say, why are you smiling? Why are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing at you. I just know more. I just know that this problem that you're going through, you're going to get through it. This is actually not a big deal. And I can rejoice knowing that it isn't too much for you. I can show joy in a situation that to them looks bleak because I know more than they do. See, God's joy is our strength because he knows more than we do. He sees more than we do. If you knew that nothing could hold you down or bring you down, nothing could crush you, that every time you were knocked down, that God would raise you back up, not because you weren't hurting, but because he saw you growing, saw you walking, saw you becoming stronger and stronger. You see, joy is being fully alive. When you see something, it makes you alive. When my grandson was born and seeing my, my son hold my grandson, I had joy. I was fully alive. There, there was just, I'm on top of the world. 
There are moments I can remember in my life that are those times. I mean, it could be a scenery. It could be a time when you're sitting alone in a quiet place and you're just overlooking beautiful place and you're just filled with this is amazing and this joy just floods you with life. I remember the first time I hugged Corrine and it was a hug that told me she liked me too because it lasted a little longer than normal hugs, right? And I remember inside feeling just like, oh man, she likes me. Oh man, this is good. I remember just feeling alive. See, God has life for you. He has that joy for you. What he wants to do is give you that life. That is what God has for you, wants you to have. And this life will supply all that you need. No matter what you go through, you will have this and will lack nothing. You may have no money to buy your kids the gifts that they want and that you would like to give them, but you will lack nothing. You might be sick and in a hospital bed and the diagnosis isn't good, but you will lack nothing. Your life can go through so many difficult things and you can lack nothing because the joy of the Lord is your strength, the life that he has when he sees what you are doing will give you life. help you to mature so that you lack nothing. That's what he has and wants for all of us. Let's pray. Father, it is difficult to see you in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the desert, It is difficult to get past our emotion. But Lord, we are growing and we need to recognize this. We need to recognize that there is a need for further growth in our lives. That if we want to see you at work within us, then you're going to take us through a myriad of things. And so I pray for everyone here, Lord, whatever trial they are facing, may they not look at it as a problem, but may they look at it as your working. May they see this place where they're at and recognize that in this trial, something strong is happening in them, that you are producing something to bring perseverance to bring maturity. And so, Lord, may we count it all joy, not for the difficulty, but because our Father is looking at us. And when we're crying out and we're saying, I don't get this, He's smiling. He says, it's okay. I've got you. Lord, may that carry us through. May we count it all joy, even in the sufferings, because we are in you. 
And I pray, Father, you would give us a boldness to step into lives that are bigger than us, that we would not be afraid of the discomfort, that we would not be afraid of what people can do, of what life can do. Lord, that we would allow you to broaden our borders, to, to give our imagination just wings so that we can carry this message of life to the ends of the earth, to our family, to our workmates, Lord, to the people around us, that we would be able to breathe the life that you've breathed into us and to them. And that where we are at, no matter where we are at, we lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. God, may we own these things and may we carry them forward for your honor. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May this week be an opportunity filled with growth. May it be an opportunity for the joy of the Lord to be your strength. And may you see more than you've ever seen before. May you recognize that you are stronger than you knew, that you're able to do more than you thought you could. Because God is God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.